Good evening, welcome along to NUFC Matters, the three amigos, the perfect way to kickstart your NUFC weekend, and it's a, a big welcome to Keith, to Steve, and to Hold George, down. and Hold on a minute. We're missing. Hello, somebody. everybody. Where's Mitch at? Could be anywhere. Could be anywhere. Whee! <laughs> what the hell? Hold on a minute. <laughs> Why aren't you dressed up? <laughs> Casey, you've done me up a kipper, you have. The <laughs> Ace says to me earlier this week, we're doing it in fancy dress. You've got to come as your favourite Marvel character, right? And he said, my dad was going to be Professor X. You were going to be White Vision. Keith was going to do Silver Surfer, and he was going to be Wolverine. So I've come as Ramatut, one of Kang the Conqueror's bloody uh, uh, <laughs> things. Even Sudi's made it up, and he's come as Moon Knight, look. Bloody hell. You know. Rob's there. <laughs> Rob's there. His, his girlfriend just spent five minutes doing me makeup. That's why I'm running late. <laughs> sorry, mate. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Sod you. You've made us look like a right tit. What podcast you do, you are supposed to be dressing up in. <laughs> ah, obviously. Can I just bring some sense to this? Can you imagine sitting in a chair and paying somebody privately to put some anesthetic in you and put you to sleep and have him? Sure, he would do that. Have an I do with you. Can you imagine you say, Look, I trust you. It's my love, it's my love and deadly. I'd stop myself the chair. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it's a good job this podcast can bring a bit of humor to the uh, proceedings because uh, there's been absolute carnage on social media. I got the wrong end of the stick when he was saying we were going to talk about the football pyramid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> tut, tut. Um, fantastic, mate. We're really good. It's good to see that you made the effort with Sooty as well, mate. I know. Well, the Sooty said, he says, oh, Well, if your corner's wrong, I'm going to be Moon Knight wrappers and bandages. It's great. Mate. I know, look, he's I he's done it... a good job. <laughs> I, find it a bit, uh, I find it a bit worrying, Steve, that uh, that Rama Tut carries around Sooty with him. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> little things, please. please certain people. Yeah, these 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 watches, buddy smuggler, is fantastic in an early day. <laughs> Absolute classic. All right, too much for always, one night, probably. It, probably, yeah, just just a little bit. Good, good on you, Mitch. Though you always bring a bit of humour, and as I said, we need a bit of humour. Um, we'll come to it. Ah. Uh, I'm sure shortly uh, the uh, the complete imploding of supporters on Twitter, um, which I'm sure any of you who are on social media and Twitter in particular will have seen uh, the uh, the backwards and forwards between fans today. Um, yeah, United. I don't I don't bloody think so. Um, Keith Patterson. Um, good evening, mate. And let's start with something a bit, a bit different, something that doesn't uh, concern our club directly. Concer- uh, it, it concerns us all as football supporters. But Gary Lineker has stepped back from his role as match of the day presenter. So, as everybody probably will be aware, um, he's been embroiled in a bit of a a backwards and forwards, a row over impartiality by comparing the language used to launch the new government asylum policy with 1930s Germany. Now, apparently he's been in long discussions backwards and forwards with the bigwigs at the BBC. Uh, They describe them as extensive discussions. And they've said that we have to, and this is a quote, we've had, uh, we have said that we consider his recent social media activity 
it'd be a breach of our guidelines. The BBC has decided that he will step back from presenting Match of the Day until we've got an agreed and clear position on his use of social media. The statement added, when it comes to leading our football and sports coverage, Gary is second to none. We've never said that Gary should be an opinion-free zone or that he can't have a view on issues that matter to him. But we have said that he should keep well away from taking sides on party uh, political issues or political controversies. This being the same BBC that let Jimmy Savile get away with God knows what um, on their watch. Um, Keith, this is this is a farce, isn't it, for having having an opinion on his own personal social media? And and if if it's against the guidelines, why are they just giving him a chance to to change his mind? I mean, it, it, I just think this is this bloody woke society we live in, and it, it does it does my head in. What, what's your views on this? I think I think day to day when things happen, we are all nervous about saying what our opinions are, and social media. Um, Take Twitter. It's 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 a it's like a moving target. Anybody who doesn't say something is politically correct. If you have your own opinion, it's shut down by people who share a different opinion. And there's a lot of people use social media purely to lobby things like political matters. As far as I'm concerned, if you're talking about politics, religion, or families, you're on a loser because you've just got a minority opinion. Whoever you back, Gary Lineker. Carries a, a role of responsibility. So Gary Linick has got to be seen as being the impartial person out there and a figurehead. So if Gary Linick says A, then B's and C's are going to shoot him. And he knows that. And he knows when he's put it out. And he said some things this week, which I think some sound quite normal. But he is, in effect, attacking the government. And it's, it's, it's an unwritten rule for people who are political figures on television or presenters to stay out of things like that. So I don't think two wrongs make a right. And if the BBC massively gooped in the handling, say, of the Jimmy Savile scenario, we know that the BBC just put out there what the, the party in power want them to put out. There's many, many times through the takeover. The BBC weren't interested in putting it out there. But, but, but in case of Gary Lineker, I'm sure he'll come back, and I'm sure. Will, will he, I mean, it's it's like, will you sell your backside? Will you will you stop personally having an opinion? And if you want your job, I guess that's what you say to him. So if he comes back, I'll be curious on what terms and what he does say. He might think his job's worth more than that. He might just close all his social media down. But but speaking in public, you've often said it today, Wraith. Speaking in public, putting your head above the parapet. You, you will invariably get shut down because the public, they, do, they don't just have, think, think of Newcastle takeover, 99% wanted it. It's the 1% who are the most vociferous. If you think of a bloke called Gerald Ratner, if you go down the high street there, where's all the Ratner shops gone? And what that bloke was guilty of, he was so arrogant and full of himself, he thought he was so good, he just turned around and said, well, that stuff's crap. And he was telling the truth. And he was so convinced that what he was was right. And I think Gary Lindley might be himself. I mean, I saw a video this week of people that were allegedly given free hotels, free drink, free food, and they were all in the Ladbrokes betting shops. There was a video going around, and the, the place was full of, of, of people who seek asylum that were just gambling away. Now, there's two sides of a coin. How do we know it's true? Who did it? Who set it up? 
But that's one side of the lobbying. That's one side of it that's, that's probably agreeing with Gary Lineker. The other side of it will say, well, no, Britain's only taking their quota. It's just an area. I mean, Gary Lineker, remember, is supposed to be heading a football programme. He's not head of politics for the BBC. And for me, I'm sorry, I just think he'd been best keeping out of it. You know, he's, 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 there's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of comments about him and take all the incoming ships at Dover to his house. And it just never stops. It never stops. And everybody colours the argument to suit them. And I, they always say in every argument, you know, there's three sides. There's your side, my side, and then the truth is somewhere between both of us. And, and for me... I think what Gary Lineker has done, he's ventured into an area of politics. I think it's a dangerous area for any deal. And, and I think that, that, that he'll have to concede something for him to go back on the box. And the BBC will probably have to concede to me as well. But when you say, Steve, it, it, it is, it's bizarre. But, but what is he? Is he, is, he, is he head of incoming refugees? Or is he head of, 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 of customs and, and UK ports? Or is he had a match of the day, and that's that's where the argument's got to start and end. Because because when you start getting an area, I just refuse point blank to get involved in religion. I refuse to get involved in politics. I just think it's you know I think I think it's I think it's just so tainted with with indi individual views that but Gary Lindic has gone past that. He's decided to have an opinion, and it's a strong opinion. You know what I mean? It's took the whole country by storm. His opinion, and there's more memes going around with Gary Lineker and boats and this and that. That he must know what he's going in for. Is he right? Who knows? Is he wrong? Who knows? I mean, and I guess your opinion, Steve, is is probably right. You're allowed to have your own opinion outside your job, but maybe it's his personal opinion expressed publicly contradicts his job or the terms of his his employment. So. I mean, this I isn't know. the first time it's happened, Keith. This is this yeah. is like this is like multiple occasions that he's done it. And I think, uh, you know, I think comparing this to comparing his rhetoric, if you like, or his tweet to rhetoric that was uttered by, you know, the the Nazi party back in the in, in the thirties in, in that horrendous time that you know that you know we saw in in, in World War and the Holocaust, etc. I think gen generally speaking, yeah, gone too far with saying that particular yeah, yeah, thing. But yeah. this is this is probably. This is probably about everything that he's tweeted. Why? Why just suddenly start now? And if they're going to do it, why? Haven't, why haven't the sacked him? I guess. It's, I guess, against, I, against, I, it's against the rules and regs. Why? Why haven't the sacked him? I, I guess. I guess that some people, if you, if you remember in the days when, um, if you remember the skirmishes yeah. on um, Top Gear, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there was there was, to me, Jeremy Clarkson made the show, ran the show, was the show. And and there was a lot of instances happened, and eventually, it's the one that broke the camel's back. You know, it's you know they, they said they said just on what happened in Argentina alone, you could have sacked him for a life. Like, but he, but he got past that, and he went. And then, I think it's the same with Lineker. I think Lineker has had four or five run-ins, and I think when you add the sum of the parts up, you think think well, with the BBC has got to make a stand. For me, for me, if you want the truth of the BBC, turn over, turn the channel because. They'll say anything, to, and it's so politically driven that, that I don't tend to watch it. Um, but Lineker must have felt he was edging towards the edge of the cliff. He must have thought he was pushing the ball as far as he could. And, and I guess I guess it came to the point where, is Lineker running this, or are the BBC running it? And, and the, the, George will tell you, there always comes a time 
of questioning when when a man's working for you and he's got to the point where you say, right, we're going to have to have him in and tell him to behave himself and we're going to get him in a second time, the third time he's out. And how do we not know that Linick hasn't been warned once or twice? Because it's, it's brave of the BBC to just chop somebody's contract for something that doesn't contradict his employment agreement. But, but for me... Ah, you know, he runs a good show and I think he's, you know, he's, he's a good pundit in a sense. You know, I've enjoyed much of the day since he's been on it, but let's leave it there. I, I, like, if I want to look at the refugee situation, then I'd rather it was somebody who understood it from both ends, from, from, the, from the amount of people that we can take in and the amount of people that's getting in. Somebody who's qualified, that's specialised and, and studied that and who hasn't played football equally, the guy who's been studying refugee numbers and income, I, I don't want them talking about football because they probably know enough about it. It's a dangerous area. It's, a dangerous, it's dangerous to venture into an area you're not qualified in and to do it under the guise of your reputation. And if they say the top man of match of the day is dictating the government and the policy, then I'm sure the BBC... The BBC will have done this with lawyers and they'll know what the contract is and where it lies. So, so uh, I just think it's, it's just... Uh, there's, there's a, he's, a, he's upset a lot of people this week, but I think a lot of people is upset what the BBC has done. I think it's no win. I don't think the BBC will win. I don't think Gary Lineker will win. I think it's, it's, it'll all end in tears. And we'll all, and we'll all end up losing because it'll be Jimmy and Janice so or Alex Scott <laughs> presenting it. And Bruce I've got to be honest, like that. I do enjoy Gary Lineker and, and Alan Shearer and Ian Wright's crack on the programme. Mm. Um, God help us if it's Alex Scott or bloody um, Jermaine Janice. Like, I'll be, I'll be sick. George, what's, what's your take on this, mate? Yeah, I'll, I'll unmute you, George. I muted you when uh, your phone rang. Go for it now. That's all right. I've switched it off now. Um, the, the first thing is, the, Gary Lineker is one of a rare breed. He's a highly skillful, top-rated professional who was a pundit, still speaks sense. Football sense that I can understand. And that's a rare thing these days. But the BBC, of course, um, they choose the choose when to get upset. This is the same Gary Lineker that every time we went to the World Cup of Qatar was reading statements prepared by the BBC about human rights in Qatar. And And being allowed to do it and, and being encouraged to do it by the BBC. Same Gary Lineker. Um, and the other, other worrying thing for me is Gary Lineker has been accused of all sorts of things. All he said was about the language being used. And for the last 10 years, this government's been using language, which is horrific and, and does very much mirror the uh, the language being used by the in the in the nineteen thirties in Germany and it, and it's all documented. If anybody wants to compare notes, it's there to see. The other thing is is that um, there's a theme here across um, sport and personalities. Look what Formula One have done to try and uh, put a, a <laughs> muzzle on um, Formula One drivers and Lewis Hamilton in particular, not allowed to make comments about this, that, the, the political things and uh, about racist things and all that sort of thing. When's it going to stop? We're now getting to the stage where people can't um, have an opinion outside of what they're doing. Um, 
the, the, the reaction to the BBC and the reaction of some of the people that are talking about it um, made me shudder a little bit because about, I'm trying to think how long ago it is exactly, about 15 years, 12 or 15 years ago, I once uh, told the Home Secretary that he was talking bollocks. <laughs> on, on 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 the on the uh, on the basis of what they're saying about Gary Lineker, I'd be in the bloody tower today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, that's that's where you're going with this, you know. Well, can you remember the dangerous dogs legislation? Kenneth Baker was the Home Secretary. I don't mind mentioning him because he'll remember me because I remember him. Um, <laughs> and and he he was he called all to a meeting that that he was going to announce something big that would get rid of this dangerous dogs problem. And what he announced was he was putting the maximum fine up from about £50 up to £5,000. And he gave this long diatribe um, about uh, how good that would be. And uh, I then learned that some of the things my wife used to say about me were true, that when I was thinking about, when I was thinking about something hard, Sometimes the words I would think in would go across my lips and I didn't realise it. Because <laughs> George used to say to me, you cannot lie, because as soon as you start thinking about the lie, I can see it go across your lips. And I was sitting at the opposite end of the table at the baker and the words went across my lips and he seen us. So and he said, Mr Mitchell, you've had something to say about that. Are you going to share it with us? I said, I'm Home Secretary, I'm not sure you want to know what I've said. And he said, come on, the least you can do is share what you're, you're having to say with the rest of us. I said, well, all I said to myself, really, but, but I'll say it to you now directly, is an old shipyard expression, is you're talking bollocks. <laughs> and and he, he said, well, why, why is it that? Why won't it cure, the, cure the, 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 the dogs? I said, look, I come from an area where part of the people from my court come from the Meadowell. And if you find them... More than fifty pound, find them a hundred pound. They'll just go to Durham for a fortnight. They won't give you any money. They'll just go to Durham for a fortnight. So you find them five thousand pound. They'll go to Durham for three months, and that'll cost you ten times what the fine was going to cost you. That's not saving anybody any money. Anyway, it, it, you know, we, we got over that. But that's for me. When I heard this, this is where we're heading. When when can you say something that's that's. Um, mm. You know, it's not opinion, and and and, and uh, even if it is in your job, it was it was a personal thing on Twitter, and that's where it should have remained, in my view, because the government's enjoyed turning it into something worse than that. Never mind the BBC. Um, it it's being blown up. I hope Gary Lineker wins. That's my view, because otherwise, there's a lot of people in all sorts of sports going to be told to keep their mouth shut. And as I say, the Formula One's already having a go by telling Lewis Hamilton and others, you can't talk about this, you can't talk about that, otherwise you'll be fine. Um, it's it's all terribly sad, it, it, it is, is, the, is the honest answer. And if if you want to look at the figures, Lineker's figures about immigration and, and the number of immigrants that we take are absolutely right. In terms of Europe, we're bottom of the list, we're bottom of the pile. We don't take anything like some of the other countries take. <coughs> Germany, France, Greece even, Spain. Um, I'll get another personal example. When the, one of the times when Marge and I were, were in Greece, the Greek government decided to have a uh, an amnesty on illegal immigrants in Athens. 
in the, the, this weekend they said if if you're illegal in Athens, if you go to the police station this weekend, we won't arrest you, we won't send you home, and we'll give you a card to give you permission to stay. And how many people do you think went for them cards over that weekend in Athens, just one city? Nearly two million. Nearly two million. And we're getting upset about 40,000. I mean, you've got to put it in perspective. I know that people uh, have all sorts of reasons for this happening, but uh, um, it's over the top for me, and I hope Gary Lidinger wins. Sorry. All right. It's all about Sorry. opinions. Um, Mitch, what's yours? I know some people, uh, you know, don't agree with this on the chat, but it's it's a mud, it's a current news story. It's very important, I, I believe, and it's breaking news as well. And Linux, as you know, he's he's in a, he's in a lot of our you know front rooms um, week in week out in the program, which Newcastle feature on. So it's certainly got a Newcastle connotation. What's your view, Mitch? I'm going to keep it very short because I think it'll upset more people. So. We've got a government who's using rhetoric and using language, which is concerning as somebody who lives outside of the country and is an effectively as an outsider looking in. Replace the word immigrant with Jew and reread everything they say. That's all I would say to people to do. It, it, it's scary. I find it very scary. We ask people in sport to stand up and to be role models, and then they do. And then nobody wants them to speak. It's free speech, but not for you. That's a concerning situation for me as well. Um, a lot of people say quite clearly on that Twitter, it's their own personal opinion, doesn't represent their employer, doesn't represent anything else. Um, it, But then, with something like this where... There's a lot of controversy attached. Suddenly, it's very different. Um, I think it's quite sad that the country's in this situation, and that I genuinely think we're focusing on the wrong things. But because I think that's the only thing, we're down down to something whereby this government has such a terrible track record in so many ways that they're focusing on the things which are divisive, which cause controversy. Um, because they feel that that's the only way they can win. And I'll take it back to um, something that one of their lot said, Margaret Thatcher, about if, if they've got nothing else to criticise you on, but personal things, then they're losing politics. And it's, it's, I find it quite worrying as somebody who's expat who is getting to a time in my life and in my career where I'm wondering what my next steps are. Where do I go? Do I want to come home? I do I want to make a home here in the UAE for as long as I can, or am I going to look at another one? Um, right now, option one isn't on my agenda. That's, that's sad. Okay, good stuff. Steve, what about you, mate? He's a sports presenter, and I like him as a sports presenter. He didn't say it on match of the day and as far as i'm concerned he's allowed to say in on his social media whatever he likes the bbc will happy for him to talk about qatar and um, because it suited them at christmas nobody else was so that it suited them to get a message out on behalf of the bbc um to to send a message to qatar because they had said that there'd been very little said on the channel but then all of a sudden he comes out 
on his own social media and he speaks and they're not very happy. For me, um, the BBC should, is always held um, in, in the highest of esteem, apparently, by people, but doesn't seem to be people in this country who seem to be get held to high esteem abroad, but we don't get held in high esteem in, in the UK. Um, you look at Jimmy Savile, Rolf Harris, Stuart Hall, a whole host of Radio 1 DJs over the years. Uh, the list goes on and on and on where the BBC has been culpable allowing all sorts of things to go. But um, if they feel as though something said that uh, that has this um, air of um, breaking impartiality, um, they immediately steer clear. Um, but the, the BBC is not impartial in its in its own right. Anyone who watches Newsnight or anyone who watches um, the the uh, the Thursday night program um, or watches any of the politics shows that are on uh, in during the week um, will will hear an awful lot of imp of, of uh, comment that is not impartial. You hear you hear reporters putting opinion over. You, you, they always say that they counter it in a, in a different way. But for me, Linux is not there at the moment. They're looking at it into it. It'll it'll all get wrapped up within uh, legal um, lawyers. And um, you know what? Let's just get back onto the football. I know it's an important issue for, for very many people. But Definitely. I think, as Keith said right at the very beginning, it's a hot potato like you've never known when you start to stray into an area that you're not Let's get back to football. <laughs> Something well, else that I will note about. <laughs> I've got to be honest, lads. It's uh, it's going to be one of them nights. I think because there's so much to debate, and and and, and a lot of it is, you know, it, it is political. Um, we'll have a we'll, as always on this show. We always like to have a bit of a laugh. So let's uh, break it up with tweet of the week. <laughs> And quite a lot on Manchester United and on uh, and on Sunderland this week, as you would expect. Uh, get the yellow and green scarves. Uh, pl plenty, of, plenty of these gifts. Uh, a good friend of ours there, <laughs> Miguel. Jesus, not, not very happy. Uh, we need new owners who are willing to invest in the team, not like the paltry one point one billion the Glazers have spent. Incredible. Incredible. Absolutely brilliant, Paddy Power. Uh, Zara sent me one of my own tweets, his tweet of the week. Uh, when I sent that to Melly, uh, yeah. seven up. Um, yeah, Melly took it in good uh, in, in good he form, did. as you would imagine. Simon Bird, big walk out of the stadium of light as Sunderland go 3-0 down after 57 minutes as ex-boss Alex Neal returns to Wearside with Stoke. Dwight Gale celebrated, creating the second extravagantly. Dwight Gale has made it 4-1 and enjoyed that too, celebrating in front of the Sunderland fans. The referee asks safety men outside to tell home supporters not to throw any more missiles. <laughs> I've got a confession to make. I was there. Uh, yes, you were outside. Ah, Steve, yes, I you was, was there. I was there. Was I, went, I, walked in, I walked in with 20 minutes to go. It, it, it was As everybody was walking out. Well, I bumped, who did I bump into walking out? But one of their ex-managers. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Unbelievable. Scoreboard guy at Allen Road puts himself in the running for the 1981-82 Nobel Peace Prize for this act of futile <laughs> optimism during a home fixture against Newcastle United. Please Brilliant. behave. Yes, very good. Thanks for that one. Um, two years ago today, this game was so bad they probably considered cancelling the entire league season. Anyone remember this one? 
I'd oh, like it. Yes. West oh, Brom yeah. versus Newcastle. Uh, Big Sam against uh, Steve Bruce. Um, a lot of hard work went into Mackham Tappers this week, didn't it, Mitch? Unbelievable this. Pro- probably more than it should have done, really. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens when 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 somebody cancels a surgery and I'm bored. My mind wanders sometimes. Cheesy chips, Kerry and chips, massive club sandwich, wheeze keys, Ari Mara. And uh, Ket for after. Very good, mate. Very good. <laughs> some good. Some really good stuff on there. If anybody wants any Mac and Tapas, uh, contact Mitch at his usual uh, Twitter account. Uh, any UFC threat level? I mentioned a pair of hoof coaches yesterday, uh, if that's your bag. Uh, nice of them to announce it in Geordie. Uh, Club Bruges announcing that Scott Parker is no longer hoofed coach van Club Bruges. Um <laughs> Very good. Uh, took a while for a few people in our WhatsApp group to get this one, but I did. Newcastle man demands paternity test after son says he's cold. <laughs> <laughs> and Sunderland Crumble from Anne Thessies. From Carol good. Lawson. Very good. Uh, this one uh, from Emma. <laughs> she says, I've just burst out laughing. There's an Irish lad on TikTok and he's given it the big talk about women. And someone in the, in the replies called him Andrew Tato. <laughs> Graham, this one name the one game that gave you this reaction Graham Fenton it's not a game Jay Perlow that's a person but we'll get you a point you do not get beat 7-0 at Anfield if you're Manchester United says Gary Neville Cara you do today Gary Neville do one <laughs> good banter that, between them to be that honest that was from the <laughs> it was I fire and skill uh, a nation of dancing idiots on adverts sell your car dance buy a million pound kitchen dance had a cheeseburger delivered dance had specs posted through the letterbox dance fell through a glass roof dance just being burgled dance just being chased by the ICF dance. Uh, yeah, Fire and Skill was on one this week. Uh, since joining Liverpool, Mo Salah has more yellow cards from celebrating goals against Manchester United at Anfield than Manchester United have goals at Anfield. That's a great stat, isn't it? That's true. That's crazy. Uh, and this one is up at East Shore Village and see him, apparently. Alec Litterus and Alf Hookham Hall. Your local marriage <laughs> guidance counsellors. Kappa, <laughs> uh, this was brilliant. Uh, this this one, I'll start with this one. He says, "This is a funny shit house mag story." Lads got a funny story to tell you that's all been brought up uh, to memory. So years ago, my uncle Paul was uh, liaising with a lass from Chesley Street, and four doors down, there was a bloke with a Sunderland crest all over his house. So back in the day, when the two were in Europe, my uncle would send him a postcard from every place that Newcastle played in, uh, in Europe. My uncle had never met him, so he must have been going to work or pub accusing loads of people. Anyway, years, years go by and loads of postcards are sent. We, have, we then have a huge gap when we hit Europe with Pardew and then kept doing it. And any game he never made, he asked me to send a postcard uh, to him. And I've just found an old picture from it. <laughs> um, he said... And there it is. And he just, he found this postcard, Mr. SM Bast. <laughs> <Just what he's... laughs> well, that's an absolutely brilliant wind up. That The bloke never had a clue, probably still doesn't either. And if we get back in Europe, he'll start again. When I complained to Amazon about a missing parcel, he asked me to send some photographic evidence. <laughs> <laughs> <Plastic>. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, if you support Scunthorpe United, Love careful that. how you wear your scarf. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> and fugitive alert. Merseyside police are looking for Ronnie Williams, Jr. of Scotland, road for fraud. He's convinced three local churches that he's Ed Sheeran and even went as far as performing the shape of you in front of Christ Community Church last Sunday. Uh, when the pastor was asked why he believed the real Ed Sheeran would perform for 35 quid and a sandwich, he said he just assumed he'd fell on tough times. If you have any information as to run his whereabouts, message us immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been a lookalike of that, but uh, very good. Uh, thanks to Jimmy for this one. He says, don't know about you, but I need height perspective to determine who's to blame. Only in Alabama. And it just basically says, do not click buttons with genitalia. <laughs> uh, World Book Day went down well, of course. Thanks to Ian Hull for this one. Oh, classic. <laughs> classic. And Sunderland, bottom of the league in Brains of Britain. Thanks to Jacob for this one. And we do know that Ian likes the Mexican stuff, doesn't he? Mexican <clears throat> word of the day is sheriff. I told my friends, these are my tacos, and I don't have to sheriff if I, I don't want to. Oh, oh God. <laughs> A British remake of Cocaine Bear stars a womble off his head on chocolate hobnobs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ian. And uh, Manchester United, sponsored by the Doo Doo Group. Sorry, but who is going to pay for a personalised video message from Adam Pearson? Jesus Christ, says Emily. Adam replies, more people watch me than Sunderland, to be fair, Emily, you silly girl. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Adam. Well done, Adam. Danielle Ramayan pointed out that... Uh, you know, the newspapers and the Guardian in particular uh, had our chairman down as Mead. It's Mead Dad, obviously. It's not Yasser. Um, so just a complete balls up there. Shows you that, you know, some of these papers just don't do their own due diligence. Can't believe the Glazer family have finally announced the club's new sponsorship. Told you there was a few of these uh, flying around. <laughs> and this one, a bit harsh on Rafi. Um, it does look a bit like me, Albert, oh, yes. But I stuck this in the Manchester United theme rather than the lookalikes, mate, uh, on this occasion. Uh, hearing that Bruno chant loud, uh, then realise it's coming from the Newcastle end, and your own fans are absolutely rubbish. <laughs> coming down to the final few here, uh, this one. Stripping, laying, spreading, nailing and banging. Good old roof medic. Seems to have all bases covered here. But he gets loads of but he gets loads of business. I think camouflage is sexy. Really? I don't see it. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, winner this week is this one. Will Warburton, boxer, journeyman. There's a hundred there's three hundred and nineteen beans and eight sausages in a tin of Heinz beans and sausages. Wow. <laughs> wow, Will. <laughs> You must have had a pretty quiet week, mate. Uh, but Aye, that is, it's... I'll say. Was, it, was, was that done in lockdown by any chance? No, that's that's week. sort of a proper oh, lockdown thing, isn't it? Week. Done last week. Uh, so that's Tweet of the Week. Keep them coming. Uh, we always enjoy them. Okay, let's talk fans' politics now. It has gone a little bit... Um, Mental on, on our Twitter today. Um, Darren Curry, who we, most of us know, I think, um, goes home and away 
Um, Steve and Mitch shared a, a table, well, shared a room with them in, in Saudi recently when, when they were out there, of course. Um, but we all know him. He's a well-known Newcastle fan. And he, he's, he's put one, I think most people have, have thought over the, uh, over the internet today, which is that, you know, there's uh, the trust at the moment um, and, and true faith, obviously, uh, formerly a fanzine, uh, now a podcast, etc. Maybe there's, there's too much of a link between the two. We've thought this for a long time. We know most of the people connected. Uh, but Darren has gone out on a, on a limb now and said, bang, this is what, this is, you know, for me, this is wrong. Um, it, it, it needs, you know, it needs to be sorted out. There has been a reply. I've seen backwards and forwards uh, coming. I know um, Michael Martin, who, who's obviously the man who, who controls True Faith, is the well, was the editor of the fanzine for a long time. We, we know him. We've had meetings and discussions with him over the years. I know he's come back and said, you know, People had an opportunity to, to run for the trust and they didn't. So the voting has taken place and, you know, the, the committee is what it is. It's, it's, it's what, it, you know, it's, it's what, you know, it's democracy, I guess. Um, but the words coming out of Darren's Twitter today were suggesting that there's going to be another supporters club. Now, for me personally, the more supporters clubs, the better. The bigger, the better, the more diverse. Um, it, doesn't alter the, it doesn't alter the fact that Premier League rules state that the club have to meet with the trust, is it twice a season? Correct us if I'm wrong, but they certainly have to meet with the trust. They don't have to meet with any other fans, organisations or groups. So, question really to you guys is, what, what was your take on that today? What is your take on the, the way that the club are dealing with supporters at the moment? And what, what do you make of Darren setting up this, this group I think it'll build. I think it'll have momentum. I think it'll. I think it'll take off. I, I certainly think it'll get numbers. Um, but will it really? Will it? Will it have? Will it have? You know the the conversations with the club that they're hoping for. Keith, tough one this one, and you know we've all got lots of opinions about these things. But give it. Give us your. Give us your opinion on 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 that issue as a whole. It's difficult because because when you look at the growth in Newcastle and you look at the more interest in the club now. It's probably reached peak times. I was talking to a guy yesterday who had a season ticket next to for 18 years. And I said, you know, if you, he hasn't been for, for 10 years. If you go back to a match, I'll take you back to a match. It's changed. It, it's, it's more optimistic. I said it's more vocal. And there's more expectancy there. And, and that's, that's after so many years of hurt. But I'm going to declare on here that, that like, like, I'm not really interested or bothered or worried about what happens because I think in every echelon of Newcastle support, you've got, if, there's, if most clubs have four podcasts, we'll have 24. If, if people have three fanzines, we'll have 33. So there's so much representation on every level of support Newcastle. It's phenomenal and it's, it's, it's grown and, and that's why people like Adam would say there's more people watching than what's Sunderland. But... I wouldn't have to say that, that when I did what I did for Newcastle, which is, is well documented, and the truth of what really happened will come out sometime, but the, the first person that ever backed us was Darren Curry. Um, and I had met him, and he was going offshore at Aberdeen, and he rang us. And he was the first bloke that put his neck on the line and said, right, I'll back you, I'll support you. And when you try to spend your own money, which, which, which comes to tens and then 
into six figures of thousands. Um, you, 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 you're looking for your own fans who want the same as you, i.e. your takeover, to get behind you. And, and you know, I can just go, go back to them days. And I don't forget them. And I'm a person who doesn't mince his words. So I remember the trust, and I've still got it on a text, saying that, that the representative from the trust that got in touch with me said that he didn't, that the people in charge of the trust didn't feel that they could support NCSL against the takeover because, and listen carefully, they wanted to maintain a healthy relationship with Richard Masters. And, and, and from a Newcastle supporter, spending considerable sums of money to do a takeover, and believe you me, it will come out, and I think you know, something was touched on by a barrister this week, that, that without the competition case, the, the Premier League will run this on and run it on and run it on to the point that people would have walked away. So without the competition case, this, this wouldn't have got settled. And if it went to arbitration, we'd have lost. And when you're spending all that money and, it, and, and, you, and you, you're trying to get something done, you do look at people to help you. So the trust was the op- I didn't approach the trust. Lots and lots of trust members said, we've got to get behind NCSL. And they came back through one of the committee members and said, as Keith, I've spoken to the people in charge and they, they're not, they don't feel as though. What they'll do is they'll, they'll acknowledge you and you acknowledge them. And so I've got nothing out of them. I'm not a member. So what I don't want to do is bleat on because I don't know the benefit of the trust. And I'm sure there is some benefits. And I do know the club legally or by the, the letter of the, the Premier League guidance have got to keep in touch with them. So the trust are in a, in a privileged position to, to act and work with the club. The problem you've got is, if you look at what Darren Curry did, he, he just said, yeah, I'll back you. Because, you, you know, I've spoken to several people that told you know what you're talking about. These people have vouched for you. And so I'm going to give me full support. I met him down at Wembley at the Green Man last week and... To me, he's superb. He's just, a, he's just a, what I call a typical Newcastle fan. Someone that I'd stand with in a pub and I'd trust and, and, and would want to work with. When you look at things like the Jordi Armada that he did down at Fulham, then you look at the green man, what he did at Wembley last week. He, he's, he's a man who will always get um, the, 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 the normal working fan to support him. So I think anything Darren Curry does, he'll get a mass backing. But then today, when I read on, on there, I saw a lot of backing and forward. And what Darren Curry said was he said, he said that, 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 that he felt that a fanzine and a podcast was too close to the trust and that they're pulling, they're pulling each other's as springs. And, and if you talk to most fans, most fans will say that's true. They'll say that, 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 you know, that the trust and true faith are all one. But, but I don't subscribe to any of them. I'm not a member of them, so I maybe he's not a good one to judge that. I just do know that 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 that, that if you look at the, the Wembley arrangement, there's a lot of long-term fans that you know season tickets for many many years who are bitterly let down. There's a lot of people you know that felt that the criteria put on the tickets was an absolute ache and mess, and and. When you look at what Darren Curry does, I've not seen him fail yet. I've never seen Darren Curry um, try and get an armada of people or a crowd of people or a group of people to get out and fail. He always oversubscribes. So for me, reading the, the, the dialogue on Twitter today, it sounds like uh, Darren Curry's about to make an announcement. And I would welcome that. I would welcome it. And, and I would say, you know, he's a man of his word. And, and certainly my experience is, he was my first person of, of, of knowledge, the factors. 
He was the first backer I got. He was the first bloke who had a name at Newcastle and said, right, I'm with you. That was the very, 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 very start. And, 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 and I thanked him for that on, at Wembley. I wouldn't like to go in the opposite corner to him because I think he'll create something spectacular and something big and something well-supported. But the points he brings on Twitter, saying, you were just this, and you I couldn't defend them. Um, but I don't know enough about the people that he's, he's criticising. Um, there's, there's a hell of a spot, but there's loads of spots in our fan base. I mean, it's just not a united fan base that we've got. And, and I feel better sitting out of it. But, but like if Dan, Darren Curry put a Newcastle United supporters club, I'd join it tomorrow. Because I, I, I feel it'd be room for the right reasons, whereby it'll be for the benefit of fans and it would be to give everyone a chance to get in, to travel, to go. And, it, and, it, and everything he does, he does numbers. Every event you attend that Darren Curry set up, I, I, you know, you go to them and it feels a pleasure to be there. It feels as though you're in amongst your own people. Um, I think, I think, you know, there's been a lot of own goals in the fan base, and there's been a lot of, you know, you, you, there's three people on here, you know, Mitch, Stephen, and Steve. You know, you you know what questions categorically were given to the trust to ask when they met Richard Masters, and you know categorically they weren't asked. You, you just know that they weren't asked, and that was that was from the owners of the club. The club wanted the trust to lean on. Richard Masters to push the takeover, but they preferred to protect their own relationship and reputation. Then they, they quoted that main attack. So, so I think the whole takeover procedure, the trust missed a trick because if they'd gone into bed and really rattled Richard Masters, I think they could have doubled the membership. The fact they haven't, I think, leaves the door open now to somebody of the ilk of Darren Curry, who is well respected, well liked. Who to me is a figurehead. He's, he's a he's a fella. I, I, I admire him and I, and I like him as a person. And, and um, I think it leaves the door wide open for him to go and set a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 pound, uh, 50,000 people supporters club up. And uh, good luck to him. And, and good luck to all of them. You know what I mean? They all will make a living and they'll all make a representation in Newcastle. And I'm just pleased that I'm not part of it. I'm pleased that, that like, if they all scrap them, I'm the bloke at the back, stand with a with a cap on, just you know, watching the match and, and keep. I, I, honestly, it was hard spending your own money doing something that politically and legally was massive to the table. It was hard spending your money and just quietly doing it on your own. So doing it and trying to win the favour of this fan base is a bloody massive task. Uh, just breaking news, uh, Ian Wright uh, has said he won't do much of the day, uh, standing in solidarity with uh, Gary Lineker. Uh, so I think that's uh, more breaking news <laughs> on that story. Maybe there's more to come. George, fan politics at Newcastle United. I promise we'll move on from politics in the second half of the show, but it has to yeah. be done. We wouldn't be doing our job on this show if we weren't discussing this kind of Absolutely thing. Absolutely right. Um, I genuinely, I, I just genuinely want to know what people's opinions are. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's it's... It's just about people not being happy with who's representing them, I guess, George. I think the Wembley thing, as Keith's pointed out, the Wembley ticket allocation upset quite a few people. Including me. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, you, you can't, uh, 
have looked at any of that without thinking, well, hello, who said that and who's doing this and who's doing that? And when you find out that they're deeply involved, it, it's quite worrying. Um, I go back to when uh, the lad who's a chairman now was first elected as chairman. Um, um, oh, I can't remember even remember his bloody name now. Uh, but he, he got me to do a podcast for them. Um, and this is some time ago. And when we finished, I said to him, I said, well, aren't you involved with True Faith as well? And he said, yes, I'm, I'm an editor or something of True Faith. And I said, well, what happens when your position at the Trust? I think he was chairman of the Trust. I'd just been elected chairman. And, uh, and your position as an editor on True Faith, there's some uh, collision of interests. Who wins, the Trust or True Faith? And it was a question he wasn't prepared to answer. Now we know why, because they want the best of both worlds, don't they? They want the, the trust there so they can promote true faith and vice versa. Um, the, the other thing about it is, is that uh, it was interesting you were saying uh, when, when the, the board was elected, Steve, that, that that's democracy. Well, it is in a way. But when you look at some of that, um, some of the, the standing orders and some of the... the uh, um, legal entity of the, of the trust where people can get elected to that board without even attending a bloody meeting. They can do it all on proxy votes. Well, that's not democracy. That, that, that'd be ridiculous, but that's what they got through and so they can use it. It's it just, just a shambles for me. And the uh, end of it, of course, was the, uh, the, the, the fiasco over the, over the Wembley tickets. Um, they made what could have been a fairly simple uh, um, way of doing things into one of the most complicated where you nearly needed a degree in maths to work out uh, where you were in the queue and all that sort of thing. So, no, it, it's uh, it's sad that there's um, there's that kind of uh, there's that kind of argument. The other thing my memory tells me is, and perhaps I've got it wrong, but I don't think I have, I remember the same trust actually being again the takeover. And actually campaigning again, uh, Amanda Staveley being a fit and proper person to lead yeah. Newcastle United. And yet they're there they are sitting hand in glove with the very same people and, and taking the most out of it. So it, it's complicated, but uh, it certainly needs a reshuffle of some some description. And if, if Darren is, is doing something special, well, like Keith says, I too would be prepared to support him in a way in which I wouldn't be prepared to support the others. I mean, I think I said on Twitter this afternoon, one of the reasons uh, that people are interested, have lost interest in the trust is because of the people who are running the bloody thing and they don't seem to have woken up to that yet. Um, so, um, yeah, let, let, let's have a reshuffle and, and uh, with somebody in it who's uh, really in it just for Newcastle United and not, not for other reasons. Well, Mitch, we've been here before, mate, these kind of discussions, but we'll have to discuss them. You know, we're a podcast. People do like to hear our opinions. We've been around the block a few times with all of this. Carry on. Um, uh, you know, for me, I guess it's no different to what Zara and uh, you know, Steve Hasty and, and myself and, and, and others tried to do with you. And, you know, we, we all sat around the table with NUFC Fans United and, and tried to create a a talking shop, a critical friend for the and, football club in the days of doom and gloom at the club. And Steve got lambasted and labelled 
because he was one of the few people who was able to work some sort of constructive relationship with people like Derek Lambayas. And, and, and all we tried to do was keep a dialogue going when there was no dialogue. And yet, somehow, that got twisted and turned and turned on Steve in a very unfair way. We've said a lot of this in the shows we did a couple of summers ago. Um, and I don't think it's changed that much. But I think something my dad points out very well is that pre-takeover, there was a lot of articles published by people who were involved very now intimately with the board of the trust, um, which were exceptionally critical of Amanda Stavely personally, very critical of PCP Capital Partners personally, very questionable of the Saudi regime. Let's also talk about True Faith, or one of the few platforms to have platformed the, the, the uh, anti-Saudi Newcastle United fans group. Uh, Yes, they did it with a disclaimer that holds them at sort of a current barge pole's length, which you can understand why, but they still did it. And that's because there is a political commonality there, which makes it very difficult, in my opinion. Um, I don't like getting involved in that sort of direct criticism of fellow fans. But when they're, they're happy to turn on Steve or you or me... Um, I mean, God, I just wanted the ducks back to me. I've been caught with a spike very, very, very better people than I don't want to get You know, I used to carry a big bag of fucks around with us and I've given them all away now and I really just don't give any. And so, you know, let's bring it on. Um, I think what Darren's doing is was inevitable. That there'd be a surge within the ordinary fan base that just said, look, this doesn't work. We, I've questioned for the last few years the, the, the problem the trust had was where did one end at the end and another one start and it wasn't just with, about the fanzine it was other things as well um, and there would come a time where somebody would have to stand up and take things in a different direction or take a very difficult stand and we've gone through two or three chairmen who I think have wanted to but couldn't thank you very much Hello. excuse me tequila break um, cheers, mate. <laughs> Stop, mate. Delicious. Uh, delicious. Anyway, um, you know it, it's gone. It's gone past a, po a point now where um, I think certain things are snapped. I think within the fan base there are big characters and big characters who take things on, and and I think we're all prepared to support anything that anybody's prepared to do. The challenge we then have is, is what are the club going to do about this? How are they going to interact with fans? Yes, they've got an obligation to speak to the trust. But the trust only, at the end of the day, represent their members. And we can show and prove historically, statistically, trusts do well when there is angst between the fan base and the owner. When all things are well between the fan base and the owner, trusts peter out. And that's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing a trust that is desperate to keep their dialogue. Let's talk about the ticketing thing, Wembley. They were giving it the big licks. We're in full communication with the owners, and we're talking about allocations of tickets. And then when the allocations were made, well, no, we were just really we had things run past, but we didn't really have that much say in what we did. Well, which one is it? Mm. If you're going to give it the big licks and claim that you're absolutely in 
total co- conversation with new ownership and that they're yeah, fully engaged, you were fully engaged in those decisions which pissed a lot of uh, season ticket holders off. Or you were never really in full conversation and you were held at arm's length and you were making it perhaps a little bit bigger than it really, really was. Which one was it? It's a great point. And I would that love is. somebody to come out and say yeah. which one was it because you can't have it both ways. It's a great point that name you that you make. Just can't. Yeah, you, yeah, keep you right. You, you just can't have it both nah, ways. No, you can't. And I, and I understand why they want to do it. I understand why you'd want to try and go that way. Um, with me and Steve, particularly, and Steve, after we were involved in the trust, have tried to do things in different ways. Um, I personally get very upset about this because I was one of the founders of the trust and some of the people involved through faith are people that used to be friends of mine and I can't call them friends. And that, 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 not that, the, stab, that. the stab you in the back, son. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> but it saddens me because at the end of the day, God. we all want the same thing. We want to have and the Castle United Football ah. Club that is a beacon for the region that we all look to no matter where we are in the world. Now I'm 4,000 miles away. Is this that not we want to be proud of and we want to stand up and say, this is us and we are that. And this is what we all crowd around and we shouldn't care about the end game because the end game should be the betterment of Newcastle United Football Club and, and for us all to be proud of it. And yet there inevitably becomes personal things within that which then leads to fracture and division. And it's fracture and division that goes back years and years and years and years and years. The some of it is quite, um, some of it to me is quite understandable. You know, I, I, I'm the era of the, the Pringle Jumper and the Forest State Press and the Adidas Gazelles that were frowned on by the lads in the butchers courts who were frowned on by the lads in the black and white kilts because people didn't understand it and there's generational things go on. There were genera- generational things going on when I was chair of the trust and I was being asked by Sky News to talk about why did they spray beer all of the services near Wigan. And I'm thinking, I don't have a fucking clue why they did that, but they had a bloody good time while they were doing it. Um, and so I made made it a point of trying to reach out to people via my stepson just to say, right, what what's good about this? Why are you doing this shit? <laughs> Come on, work this out for me, please. So I can have a civil conversation with somebody in the media about, well, okay, you know, we can't condone it, but we understand why they do this, etc., etc., etc. That's always happened within our fan base, but there's something deeper. And that comes out of the Ashley era. We've talked about a number of different things. Ashley worked on divide and conquer. When we used to go and have those meetings with Derek Lambias, some of the early meetings with Derek that were absolutely horrible. The pokey in the chest meetings, the, the, the call and Steve Worst and shit meetings, the meetings that we were going up the escalator where you were being es- escorted out the escalator by security, Steve. All of those. Um, that was actually at his best. Divide and conquer and create a situation where everybody's got that on. What's, what's he doing? What's he doing? And why is he having tea with him? And why is he being invited into the chairman's office when I haven't been invited because I'm more bored than him? And it was all bullshit. It was all divide and conquer. And we should be way beyond that now, but we're still not. And there's still people inside the club who don't understand that, who go back to the Ashley era, who will revert the type, and they need to be moved out of the club, in my humble opinion. But also there's people outside the club 
who still exist in that bubble where I'm right and you're wrong and F you. And that needs to be over now as well, because you know what? We should all be pulling in the same direction. We've got owners who give a monkeys. We've got owners who want to pump money into the club and into the region and make everything so much better than it is. And we're way ahead of schedule. Well, what? We're probably two years ahead of schedule, at least at the moment, going on league position and the fact we've got to a cup final. Yes, we're upset that we didn't take advantage of an opportunity of a cup final against poor man in Let's be honest about that. Yes, we're upset that we're not in the top four at the moment, but you know what's still in our hands? We've got two games in hand and everybody, including the media, they've forgot that. Is so there's case, another opportunity. Mitch, it's not a case that Darren Curry is, is saying to everything you've just said there, which makes a lot of sense. I know you, you two stays at Laurie Street, but this is not Darren Curry saying that after the lull of the era 14 years of nothing, where we're all in fighting, to where the money's coming, the club will start to lie. But is, is, is Darren Curry not just saying, now is the time for us to do something properly and I'm going to lead it? Because, because... Look, and that's fantastic because it's not me and it's not Steve and it's not Steve and it's not somebody else because it shouldn't be. I'm, I'm very tired of it. Me, <coughs> um, hashtag that's me why too. I've stayed away. That's why I've stayed away from getting very intimately associated with the growing fan club in Dubai. I will use my gobshite status as somebody who people come to on Twitter and social media to say, Mitch, I'm coming to Dubai for a fortnight work and I watch the Tottenham game. Right, go to that pub, that's where we all are now. And I think that's fantastic because that's got nothing to do with me. I'm just directing traffic. And that suits me down to the ground because it isn't another one of these, oh, here's Neil Mitchell again. You know, Neil Mitchell was in the Chronicle, in the Journal, and he was in True Faith, and he was in the Mag, and then he was in Steve Wraith's uh, fanzines, and he was doing this on a website and doing that there. Yes, I'm a gobshite. I'm quite happy to be one. It is what I am. And I do it because I love it. I do it because I love Newcastle United. And I do it because when we unite as a fan base, there's nothing better. There's absolutely nothing better but when we turn on each other as a fan base, there's absolutely nothing worse. Great. Steve? And, and, and it hurts like hell. Steve, I think you're just going to echo what Mitch has said, really. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I want to hear I'll, what you want to say. I want to hear your view. Yeah, I'll echo that. But at the same time, I think what, if you look at if you look at the bigger picture, I think what Darren's saying is, you know what? You don't have to do everything through a through a support as trust. You don't have to do everything through the the window of an official um, organisation that might be politically motivated, that might have uh, dozens of little agendas hanging around the back of it. And um, what what I'm dealing with here is uh, I'm I'm looking at all the, all the lads who travel away, all the issues that they have travel. Um, we, we can we can band it together. We can come together. We can organise bus trips. We can organise boat trips. We can basically just have a really really good time, disciplined, controlled, and enjoying ourselves as supporters. And we can do that with the backing of the club and with the support of the club because the club knows they can trust her. And I think there's an element of that. And I'm using that word trust is with a with a small t, not a large t, by the way. Um, and and I think it's it's a case of you know what? This is we we can do things. We can work together. We can. We've got. We've seen what the flags have done. We've seen how the club can work with the lads at the flags. 
uh, where, where the away travel, where are the people who can tell you what's going wrong? You don't have to put a survey out to find out what's go- what's gone wrong at, at Leeds United when we kind of get through the turnstiles, etc. Just come to us because we are there and you can and we can talk and we can talk openly and honestly about what we're experiencing. We can talk about what we're experiencing at Brentford or at Tottenham or at Chelsea or at Man United or at Man City um, or Nottingham Forest. And so it goes on because that's what we're out. We can we can come together, but we can also do uh, we can also arrange some really good positive PR for the football club for the supporters and doing things together. And I think that's what I think that's what they've hooked onto. I think that's where it's coming from. I think at the end of the day, we do have a supporters club that called season ticket holders. We've said this for for, for three or four years now. Um, you know, people say I don't want to I don't want to pay this, and I don't want to join that, and I don't want to do that. And I can understand it. And as Mitch says, it's founder members of of the supporters trust who set the bloody thing up. Uh, we we know exactly what it is. We know the trials and tribulations involved by the people who are involved. We know that the rules that have to go by. Having said that, we know the rules that are not following. We know the fact that they don't. That I've never seen any meetings from a supporters trust meeting, how, a board meeting. How many in in quarate meetings have they had? Where they've had well, votes? not just in quarate, in quarate, um, in quarate uh, annual general meetings where it's come to a vote yes. where people have just been been voted on because. Uh, there was six six vacancies and only five people put their name on. So the five year get voted on. Or the situation where there was uh, six places and there was only six people and it looked like there was going to be no votes or somebody else stuck their name in to stifle it for another person. That's that's personal and that's petty and that's that's about control and that's the sort of thing that went on. That's, there's also the situation. Yeah. Yep. There's also the situation. And that's where, what that's what hurts. Yeah, you know, that's, that's when, when we put those hours in to make it happen, when we were being questioned by all and sundry, when we did those the, 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 those road shows at clubs across the region, from from the the, the, the South Durham North Yorkshire border all the way up the Scottish border, and we did nights and nights and nights of give our time, and and in some cases, well, in some cases, money because God, God, I was driving an M3 at the time. How much does the petrol right. ferry cost? Because <laughs> Fortune, <laughs> you know, and, and and all of those things that we did, um, and it just feels like it's being trampled over, yeah, and it's not right. You didn't do that for him, but not him, you did it for him and him, no, did for everybody, equal, equal portion. And I think it was a there was an element of, of personality came in, and also towards the end of, 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 the, of the takeover discussion, and Keith mentioned, so I'll bring it up. Uh, you know, I remember um, making a call or being called and, and having a, 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 I think it was probably two and a half hours of discussion over Zoom um, with two members of the board, trying to explain to them that the questions that were put forward that Keith mentioned were important and vital questions. And those questions didn't get followed because it was decided that they weren't pertinent enough. And when I told them where the questions had come from, how the questions had been devised, it kind of went over the top of their heads and they didn't understand. But in the, at the end of the day, it was because those questions didn't fit in with the personalities or of yeah. the individuals that were sitting on the board. They, they felt as though they didn't want to raise those questions. And 
the 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 reasoning behind it has already been mentioned by Keith because um it it they didn't want to upset Masters they didn't want to upset the Apple Court they didn't understand where it was heading at that particular time. Who the questions come from, now. Steve? Who who Sorry? the questions who the questions come from? Um, I'll 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 reserve that one if you don't mind. Um, but let's just let's just say that there were, there were important questions that had been. Pulled the together top, and, the top. and had been asked from um, people involved in the takeover. <laughs> yes, from the top. Oh God, there's a lot to come out in this book when it eventually does so come the out. Top. So come to the top. The whole idea was they wanted masks on, on question to try and narrow down the takeover. That's right. So, so they came to the top and said, "Why do you ask these questions? Because it will make our argument better and make the takeover more likely." But it was chosen after you put the questions through. We won't ask them. You want to preserve our, our reputation. But, tell you what, there was a hell of a lot of questions. Keith, Keith, there was a hell of Keith. a lot of questions that I was asked to pass over, and not one of those questions was asked, Keith. And, and it was yet, the, the, an, the, the, an, the, yet the, another exercise where it was grandstanding. Look at the contacts we have. Look at the engagement we have. Look at all of this. But if it's if it's doing nothing, that engagement is worth jack shit. And at the end of the day, if we get a support as club, we get we get people wanting to do good as we tried, which was all about no matter what you thought of Mike Ashley, you still had to communicate with him. If you keep the lines of communication going, then you're at least at least that's happening. At least there's an open door there. You know, you're, you're pushing against the door. But when you when the door got slammed. And there was never anybody willing to step over that line. And we took up, we took that up, and we were going week in, week out, month in, month out, trying to uh, trying to encourage the club, despite who ran it. Mike Ashley might have been at the top, but we've always said there were good people below who were trying to work day to day, week to week, month to month, and trying to solve ticking issues. There's, to solve there's, there's issues stupidity. There's stupidity. Nearly killed the fans forum. Well, it did kill the fans well, forum. It did. It did kill the fans for him. But that was sabotage from within. Yes, yes. And that's what we wanted to do. Um, we we wanted it, and and it was sabotage. And it, and it was sabotaged. In in my opinion, it was sabotaged because of personalities. It was sabotaged because of the people who were involved, who they didn't want to be sitting that have sitting around the table in the first place. So what I would say to Darren is, good luck, mate. I wish you all the best. I'm sure that oh, what, you've, what you've got planned has been well thought out. I'm sure that you've got the backing. I know you've got the ear of, of, the, of the fans liaison team at Newcastle United. I know that you've built up a really good relationship with them. And I know that they'll be listening to you and, that, and they'll be pre- receptive to whatever you're trying to do. And for that, then that alone, that, that's good enough for Newcastle United fans to know that the club does talk and does take on issues and follow it up. I'm sure the trust would feel in their own inevitable way that they have exactly the same sort of relationship. And uh, who might say that they haven't? I just think years of dastardly planning by one individual is all starting to come to a, uh, it's, it's come to a fruition. And now it's, he's going to be left with egg on his face. And I'm not going to name the name, but ultimately for me, um, you know, I, I'll be pleased to see Darren launch his support as club. I'll certainly sign up. Um, I know that he doesn't want any involvement with podcasts, fanzines, this, that and the other. Just wants to run a support as club and do it the way he wants to do it. And good luck to Darren with it. Um, that's the end of the politics part of the show. Because <laughs> I can see, <laughs> to be honest, the comments, you know, one or two people, I think PDK left because he, you know, he didn't want it. He just didn't enjoy the, the politics side. 
But you know what? From my perspective, um, you know, we do have to talk about these issues. They are important, especially when it affects Newcastle United supporters. And especially when you've had an involvement like we have, a very deep involvement with the individuals, with the groups that, that have been involved. If you want to know about the full history, get into the playlists. Look for Newcastle Disunited, Newcastle fans Disunited. The, the, we did about four programmes about it. Um, and it's well worth having a look at. So, uh, Tune in, have a look at them, and it'll show you the um, it, it'll just show you the, the breakdown and how it all happened over the course of the years. Okay, uh, time for a little bit more uh, light-hearted stuff. <laughs> Who has a dog like that? Who has a dog like that? That's what I want to do. And this, this one, like, that one looks like a morning after the night before this one. Uh, I've got to say, and uh, Rocky Toon tweeted me to, um, this week, and, and it was a very, very heartfelt tweet. Um, I must find it, actually. Um, and I hope you don't mind us reading it out, Rocky Toon. Um, he just said, Steve, uh, me and a few mates love your show, but it is one part of the three amigos that concerns us. He says, the way you've changed the lookalike part. Now, I, I don't change it. This is up to the people who send things in. Can we go back to real lookalikes, he says? Not, let's see how many animals uh, we can compare to Steve Hasty. He says, I don't know about you, but we think um, we feel Steve looks a bit uncomfortable sometimes when it's on. He just pretends he does. He, he just he pretends he doesn't. Um, <laughs> even one of my friends has started watching that show later, watching the show later, so he can fast forward through that part. So Steve, <laughs> there's a campaign by Rocky Toon to, to, to stop Good this. Um, so, so I'm not brilliant. sure if you're related to them. Um, anyway. <laughs> There's something special about the ones with the tongue out. Anyway, Kev sent us this one. Um, he says, where's Peter with when you need him? Um, he said, uh, <laughs> his dog ran into the pitch. I just thought that looked a bit like you, Steve. So I just, I just stuck that one in. Um, honestly, we've been, Keith, Keith has been supplying me with a lot of these as well this week, by the way. Right. Peter, guys, this, is the, this is the only exercise yeah. he gets, by the way. I'm getting battered off people. I've had, a, I've had seven sent in this week. He has. He says, I still like the classic hasty look. Windswept and ready, says Peter Guy. <laughs> Thanks to Steve Hasey. He says it's a dog's life, apparently. If so, I'll That's be your dog. So I feel sometimes I. Especially on this show when this section's on. <laughs> Bit of a break from the dogs. Mr. Hasty waiting for his breakfast, plus sitting doggy, on his favourite tune mat. <laughs> and this one is a proper lookalike for Rocky Toon. Um, Steve Hasty, isn't it? Says uh, nope. Iceman. No. Nope. Definitely not. Um, Barry says on a brighter note nice to see Steve Hasty making a cameo on Adam Pearson's vlog on Wembley Way <laughs> could have been me actually <laughs> anyway back to the dogs <laughs> with the attention of Keith Patterson from you Albert see, you see that these are just this is just Keith's fetish I think I think he's got a fetish about these animals now you think Steve Hasty needs an early night said Dougie Morris uh, <laughs> Needs an early night. Uh, two boys says Hasty's tribute to Jimi Hendrix. Purple <laughs> Hasty. What colour is that dog though? Is that a live dog? It's a live dog. Live dog eh? uh, under Purple <laughs> Hasty. Oh, dear me. That's a great. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Formal Hasty. More like Anne Whittingham, that one. <laughs> 
And Spandau oh, Hasty. <laughs> Spandau Hasty. Spandau. Ah, dear me. Steve Hasty out for a run. What? Honestly, Steve, I've never been... A... Mr. Hasty looking none too happy today, says Phil. He... Random pictures of dogs, Phil? Are we? Hasty just brought us from Tom Dixon. Brief, kids, brief. Next week's going to be hell. I've got to be honest, I haven't had time to upload Rita's. Rita, Rita, I, was, I was hoping sticking a bloody stupid Egyptian headdress on would divert from this, but it just, well, it just hasn't worked at all. all. I was hoping Rita was on holiday. This one was from Stu Penman. See that haircut? Oh, God. Look at him. Um, this one from Glenn. <laughs> I mean, I could have done three shows on these. I know. Tom Dixon again. Rita, I must apologise. I haven't had time to load yours today, so I'll keep yours for next week. Uh, Lee says, I felt a bit bad for Steve Hasty and the dog jokes. Then I came across this, but I can't decide if it looks like Steve Wraith or Keith Patterson. I'll let the panel decide. So That's who does scary. that look like, me or Keith? Fucking scary is what it is. That's the dog. The vet cut the dog's head, shaved its head, <laughs> and the dog ended up looking like that. It's like it looks like that. I think it looks like it's got Keith's eyes. Oh, I'll tell guilty, my lord. I'll take a recognized double. Um, Groovin' Old happens. Um, who's this? Uh, well, that's Steve in the front there, isn't it? <laughs> You know Rocky Tune who defended you and said I think Steve looks uncomfortable When I went back through his messages on his inbox He sent me this a couple of weeks ago oh, Steve right. is so final here <laughs> oh, almighty. Oh, Hoist by that. your own petard um, oh, just a couple of comes to me. With Steve Hasty on a Wednesday maybe <laughs> I don't know if I've looked great in that We're nearly oh. there Steve don't worry Um Look a lady, says John Whitley. <laughs> and um, this one, nice to see Steve's hair could go to good use. <laughs> good one. A pair of pants. Uh, Mr. Hasty having fun today in the snow, says Doug. Oh my God, I tell you. And <laughs> this one from David Cook, just sent us a photo of a dog. Said to me that. <laughs> from <laughs> stop, you, yeah. stop. <laughs> Last two, Steve. Here we go. This is my submission, Steve. John <laughs> Bon Jovi, Steve. I that's think you look John like Bon Jovi, him. that. <laughs> that's pretty good. I think that's a good likeness for your new haircut, anyway. Ah, thanks, Steve. Thanks. And this one was the winner for, for, the, for the hasty part of it. Um, Steve Hasty and Keith Patterson together. Hey, see, all could, all could look. Mate, Steve, Steve, you've got a point soon. If I get compared to Bruce Willis, you'll get compared to a Chihuahua. You've got every every reason to complain, my mate. Exactly. Let's have some proper lookalikes before we finish. That's a Brilliant. Brilliant. It well is done. very good. Uh, this was really funny on Black and White Band Down, International Women's Day. Uh, Brianna Gomarez. Uh, but the, if you go to that account, BNW Banter, watch oh, that video. All of the players. That video was scary. There was some couple. I tell you what, Almiron really was scary for me. What all? Gianfranco Zola and the Fonz. Yeah. Ledley King and Charles and Zogbia. <laughs> Never noticed that before. Simon Jordan and Shane Warne. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. About 15 people sent us this one, but I went with Tony Burns. 
A stealing <laughs> wheel and rolling jack. <laughs> that was a close, close one. It went into the top five. Giovanni Trapattoni and Lloyd Bridges. Very yes. good. Very yep. good. Uh, Chucky, grown up. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> Sam Smith spotted in Castleford Market. No. <laughs> And Mitch's stunt double. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fantastic. The winner, the winner this week is this one. Great value, DiCaprio and Cruz. <laughs> That's frightening, isn't it, those two? That is. Absolutely definitely. brilliant. That's a winner that day at last. Well Thank you, mate. And then look at the comments from Tom Cruise and Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah. Delete this right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give them coming in, uh, and Rita, massive apologies. Um, I should have had well, you don't need to apologize to us, Steve. I never, I never had the opportunity. Sorry, um, it's just lots of white haired dogs going. Probably oh, was. I'll, I'll get them up next. Uh, big shout out. Uh, Westy sent this in. Westy, Morning, Mitch. Yeah. Hope you're well. As an absolute <laughs> occasional contributor to the chats, can I put a shout out for tomorrow night's amigos? Uh, I'd be grateful. It's my birthday, 10th of the 3rd, 67. I, 56 years young. I'd be grateful. Cheers. Happy birthday, Westy, son. Happy birthday, Happy Westy. Birthday. Good looking lad at the front there. Who is it? Oh, yeah, it's you. Uh, yeah, it's the man. I thought it was that dog that had the shave. <laughs> <laughs> so Newcastle United play on Sunday this weekend at that stupid kickoff time that I can't stand half past four live on Sky Sports and uh, we heard the team news today where we knew Joe Linton was serving a two-match ban and uh, we knew um, Fabian Cher would be back after his concussion uh, and Bruno is okay. No problems with that ankle injury. If you want an update on the press conference, watch the press conference review when we finish tonight. Uh, Harrison Ashby, as well, we were told, um, hasn't been training with the first team for a couple of weeks because he has a hamstring issue. Good news is that Emil Kraft is now back in late training, but he's not part of the Premier League's 25-man squad, so he won't feature this season, but at least he is back training, which is great news. Uh, we also heard something a bit concerning, uh, that Alexander Izak was available, but not yet at the level where he could play 90 minutes. And that very, very strange. As for Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club, Diego Costa, uh, Sasa Kaladic and Chikino are out, which is great news. Uh, yeah. He Chan Huang and Bubakar Trakore could return to the squad following injury. The availability of Bueno is yet to be confirmed. Uh, Ruben Neves has nine yellow cards to his name, so he's one booking away from an automatic two-match ban. Um, that has prompted speculation that he might be dropped on Sunday to maximise his chances of facing relegation rivals Leeds and Nottingham Forest. Referee is Andy Madley, VAR is Tony Harrington. And as always, uh, we have um, Toon Stato to give us his view. Hello all Wolves at home on Sunday. What a game. Some very peculiar stats. We won 1-0 last season, which ended a run of five home league games without a win against them 
But the strange fact is that we have played Wolves nine times since they came back to the Premier League in 2018 and we have scored exactly one goal in each of the nine encounters. As I said, we won last year 1-0 uh, with a goal by Chris Wood from the penalty spot. We have not beaten Wolves in two consecutive home league games since 1977. When it comes to players, we know that Calum Wilson is not in the form of his life. Actually, he has played eight times against Wolverhampton and he has never scored against them. It's his longest run against any club without a goal in the Premier League. Actually, we have lost our last three games, two in the league, and uh, our last three games, two in the league and one in the Carabao Cup final, while we had only two defeats in the previous 29 games this season. While Wolves, with Lopetegui in charge, they have taken actually 17 points from 11 games, which is a pretty good return. And overall, in this game between Newcastle and Wolves, in the last five 15 games, 10 have ended up in a draw. And most of this, as you well know, has ended 1-1. So let's see what happens on Sunday. Me personally, I believe that we will win it. Hawaii the lads, and we are back in the battle for Champions League. Next up, Toon Tipster. <laughs> Evening all. Tipster here checking in from a teenage girl's bedroom. I'm taking the opportunity to sit down and talk to you before someone from the trust comes in and makes me stand up. It's nice to be talking about football again after another week of superfan bingo being played out beautifully on social media for us all to yawn at. Sometimes we actually forget there's a game in there with Eddie's men hosting Wolves on Sunday for a much-needed stop-the-rot session. The bookies are a bit more confident than I am, with Newcastle being huge favourites to win at 13-20. to 20. Based on recent form, the draw is a tasty 11-4, to 4, and the away win is a massive 9-2. to 2. Potential money to be made there, though, if Eddie hasn't quite managed to find his strikers again this week. Ironically though, goals are fancied, with just over evens being offered if you think there'll be more than two in the game, and both teams to score is also the same price. 1-0 Newcastle, 11-2, 2-0, 13-2, 28 to 1. The reverse penman, which actually sounds like something that you do on the toilet after every night out, is a huge 50 to 1. Callum, what's that round thing that people appear to be chasing round the football pitch? Wilson remains favourite to score in the game at a very short 7 to 5, and that's followed closely by Alexander Isaac and Anthony Gordon. It's been cold this week, so if ASM makes it back from France, He's in there at a decent 11-4 to 4 to shut me up. And Miggy is quite a big 3-1. to 1. Our mate, Ruben, Ruben Neves, he's 8-1 to 1 to score. And let's be honest, if they do, 
it's inevitable it's going to be him. But he's also favourite to be booked in the game. I'm looking at Kieran Trippier to get a card at 9-2. to two. In the wider world, all away wins on Saturday in the Premier League is 136-1. to one. Although that would involve Nottingham Forest going to Tottenham and getting the result. But why not? They're in a mess. People ask about my favourite bets and the first half goal market aside, I love the value in the being a set amount of goals scored in each game of a particular league. Usually over one goal to be scored in each game or two depending on the fixtures. This weekend, for example, over 1.5 goals in each Premier League game is 11 to 1. 42 to 1 in the Championship, that's starting tonight. 38 to 1 in League 1 and 50 to 1 in League 2. Uh, that's also starting tonight. The German leagues, especially the Bundesliga, they're belters for it. And finally, Super 6 is really hotting up. We've got a new leader at the top in Frank Huntley, who is joint top with the ever-present Jack Railton. However, because Frank has predicted more correct results, he sits on top on goal difference. Newcastle are featured in the Super 6 again this week. Please take it easy, folks, and please only bet what you can afford. It is just fun after all. Take care. I'll see you soon. Tipster. Great stuff. Thanks, lads, uh, as always, for a comprehensive uh, intro into what we can expect uh, for the game. Before I get the panel's um, the panel's views on the game ahead, I just want to do the uh, the Q-Tech quiz, in case I forget to do it later. 12th of March, 1975, was your first clue. 187 NUFC appearances was your second. Your third was Tunbridge Angels. So your fourth is this. The player suggested in previous clues has a middle name. What is it? First person to get the correct answer in the chat. John is watching now. And uh, John will announce what the prize is in due course. Keep an eye out, John. We're about to uh, Keith now, though, for uh, his views on the game ahead. And let's let's just talk about Isaac first, Keith. Um, it was an interesting comment, that, wasn't it, today, about Isaac, that... He's not 100% fit. He keeps pointing to the concussion injury that he suffered. Um, and he always uses optimum optimum fitness levels. He, he uses a bit of speak, football speak, you know, um, when he's asked about certain players not, not, not getting the opportunity to play. And the press pushed him on Isaac starting. Was he going to start? He's never going to give it away. But what, what, what's, your, what's your view on, 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 on the Isaac situation, first of all? My view... On everything is that there seems to be some straight talk and coming out of Newcastle at the minute. And then when you saw that Fraser was was banished to the kids, rumours that circulated was that he'd had a bust up with Trippier in training. Whether or not that's true, who knows? That's where that's what the the common rumour was. Uh, but this it, it was put down that um, I don't know as though, as though Fraser was disinterested. And then you get a statement today about Isaac not being ready. And the next question I would ask in return, if I was a reporter, is, well, if Isaac's not ready, is he not more ready than Wilson? Because at the minute, you know, there just seems something missing in, and, and not being a coach or behind the scenes to know enough, just a, a fan, I would say, well, 
has, has Wilson been ready since the World Cup? You know, is, is it one goal in 14? So, so he hasn't scored against Wolves in 10 games and hopefully tomorrow he'll get a hat-trick if he plays. But for me, I think that Newcastle need to go back to the high press. I think you've got more chance of that high press with these Ackland Wilson. I think because, because he looks fitter. Wilson doesn't maintain the high press. I've always been a supporter of Maxi. I don't think he maintains the high press. So, so, so if, I, if I was trying to go back to what made us good, what got us here, I'd be put the forward line of like, um, you know, Gordon, Isaac and Miggy because they all are highly energetic, high-pressing players. And I think if you play high-press, I think it starts with your forwards pressing their full-backs in when they're trying to play it out. And then that's followed by your midfield. Um, I also think that, 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 that you know, pe- people are critical of different players we've got. I've heard criticism of Dan Burnley, who, who I think has been an outstanding buy. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, he, 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 if you asked him, he was interviewed shortly, and he said, what position do you play? What's your best position? He was getting interviewed by Ferdinand. And uh, he turned around, he said, he said, he turned around and said, sent half is my position. So he's done exceptionally well standing at left back. But maybe now is the time to maybe start with a back three of him, Botman, and Shaw. And then maybe you play, you know, two, two full backs, wing backs in target and uh, Trippier. Then you're three midfield, then you're forwards. So, so. There's a lot coming, but there's so much pressure on this game. And when you're playing against them, don't underestimate their manager. I mean, their manager is exceptionally astute. Um, he regrouped his team against Wolves at half-time and then nailed them in the second half. And I was told, I didn't say it, but I was told Kane didn't have a shot. And that takes a lot of doing. You know, on a player like uh, Harry Kane out of it. But I, I think that... that we, we seem to do this, you know, I mean, we, we, we played, if, if you played Man United, they played against Brentford at the start of the season at Wembley, you'd have been laughing. If you played Man United, they got beat 7-0 off Liverpool, you'd have been laughing. But we just seem to bump into people at the right time. And I think Wolves are getting back to a decent level. I think Wolves are looking like a better, better still. And the manager is a cracking manager. Um, he's, he, he, he will regroup them, he'll reposition them and... You might be winning at half-time or you might have gone top at half-time and you might see a totally different Wolves team come back in the second half. So I don't think it's going to be easy. Um, we keep saying one of these weeks someone's going to get battered off Newcastle. I don't think it will be this week. I hope it is. You know, I'm, I'm like the rest of you. I pray it is. But, but I think 2-1 to Newcastle is what we can hope for. Um, I, I'm sorry, Steve, but, I, but, I, but I, the way I feel going to the game um, and... and you know, people miss queuing chances. If you go to Man City, you get two chances in the six-yard box. You have to connect. It's as simple as that. You can't miss kick chances on the six-yard box, Man City away. And if you do, that's all the chances you're going to get in a place like that with such a team in opposition. So for me, I would take a not-quite-ready Isaac versus the Wilson that we've had since the World Cup because um, I think he's great character and a great asset <laughs> Wilson Majesty, he's not there at the minute. I think he's a shadow of what he's been. And you'd be surprised to hear us say this. If we're going to do workmen like high press, I wouldn't, you know, I think Maxi deserves to play of his last few performances, but 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 I would I would I would go the front three of Almeida and Isaac and um Gordon. 
Because I think them three people will press the life out of their defenders and them three people have got the legs, the commitment. They'll accept an order of Eddie Howe what they want to do. I think that's the best chance we've got. And I, and I, I really think if Newcastle is going to win this game, it's by smothering Wolves and doing what we did that got us to fourth place and third place earlier in the season. Um, I worry. I worry a little bit about... Um, the, the one thing we could rely on always is these lot running the balls off for each other and, and, and you know, like dying for, for the men. But I just think when you've got forwards like Wilson and, and Maxi who aren't naturally people that run people at the ground and chase people back, I think your high press has stopped at the key part, which is their defenders. Yeah. Okay. What's your prediction, Keith? 2-1 Newcastle. 2-1 to Newcastle. Okay. You breaking news there, as I expected. I've got to be perfectly honest, which is the reason I started this yeah, um, tonight. Uh, because Alan Shearer is a Newcastle United legend, Premier League top goal scorer, and Newcastle's top goal scorer of all time. And I foresaw <laughs> this happening. Um, and he stepped down for a match of the day in support of Gary Lineker. So, uh, backs up the reason why I discussed it tonight. Uh, but um, yeah. we'll continue with the game. And uh, George, from your perspective, well, what are you expecting to see tomorrow? What would you like to see? A lot of people worried that there's been no photographs of Anthony Gordon. Maybe he just didn't want his photo taken. But we don't know whether there's any whether there's any injury to Anthony Gordon. I mean, we'll the, find out on Sunday. Before I say anything about Sunday, um, can I just say how pleased I am that two more legends of the game who talk a lot of sense about football have stood up for their mate. That, that that means a lot to me, you know. It, yes, they've got reputations, but you know, mm. uh, sod the reputation when we're supporting my mate, and I think that's very important. I just and knew I'll good, not be I'll not be watching it on uh, good example uh, for others. I'll not be I'll not be watching it on Saturday because it'll be my worst nightmare. Who's presenting that? But well, that's oh god, nightmare. yes. I mean, if it's if it's Janus, um, um... you could come and look come and look for me at the Tyne Bridge. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, anyway, anyway, George, the match moving the on. Match, the, the match, the match. Yeah. Well, I, I I have a good feeling about this one. Um, I had this sort of feeling that we might not quite do a Sheffield Wednesday, but um, it could be something like that. And I'm looking for a three nil, and uh, I'm looking, fingers crossed, everything else crossed, that Darren Wilson would eventually find his touch again, and uh, I think they've got the sort of. Uh, centre-backs and back line that uh, could easily allow Darren Wilson that, those opportunities. Um, the other people who I think could shine, if, if he's in... Do we know the team yet, Steve, or do we not no, know No, no, and I mean, it's, no. obviously, it's, no. we're looking at Sun, we're, you know, Sunday, and he, yeah, he won't right. give anything okay. away. He won't give anything away. I mean, I, I can see um, Sean Longstaff getting uh, getting the goal again, and, and I think uh, I like the way Bruno was reminding everybody it's exactly a year ago since he scored his first goal. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got another one on, on Sunday. So so I'm very positive about it. Although Keith's absolutely right. Not going to be easy. What This new manager of Wolves has uh, been very impressive on the way he's managed players that the bloke performed couldn't manage by the look of things. And yet they're, they're not going to... Uh, doors out the windows at the moment so that that's great and, and good good for them it has the makings of an entertaining game which is good for everybody and uh, but I, I'm quite positive in, in, in the notion that uh, we could win this one 3-0 Craig okay uh, Mitch what about you mate look I think 
opportunities here. We, we need to get back into a, a, a winning mindset. Um, I think it's interesting some of the things people are talking about. My understanding is Gordon's picked up a knock in training, so he's 50-50 for the game. Um, but if he's done video stuff for the website for the game, then that would suggest he's probably better than 50-50. Um, but we've got to be careful with injuries. The, the, the comments about Isaac are simply about his thigh injury. I shared some with yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the conversation I've been having with a guy called Jesse Morse, who's a sports medicine physician in the US, who deals with a lot of NFL well, uh, teams and talking about thigh injuries and how bad thigh strains are for recurring. And when they do recur, they get worse. And that's exactly what happened with Wilson. He started with a grade one, ended up with a grade two, borderline grade three. Rest, rest in it. Well, how do you use them? It, it's how do you use them? That's that's the problem, Keith. And what options do we have? And we don't have many options. Is this Isaac, um, you mean? Yeah, Wilson. Isaac, rather. Yeah, Isaac, rather, sorry. Isaac. But I mean, but you, you've got to also... I'm... I'm one who's found stats in football difficult to work because the football's such a dynamic game. It's not like baseball. It's not like American football where everything's a set play and you can work stats very well. But the one thing that stands out is our XG, this XG factor, which is about how many chances you create. And our XG hasn't dropped. It really hasn't dropped that much. It's, it's fractions of a point. And all that tells me is we're still making the same amount of chances, we're just not putting yeah. them away at the minute, and yeah. that will click. Yeah. And the day that clicks, this is where this concept of we're going to give somebody a thumb one day comes from, is that our XG remains the same, and someday the air shots that Wilson was making are going to turn into stuff that goes in the back of the net. Um, I think... For me, it is an opportunity to make some changes. I think we do need to make some changes. Um, I think we need to freshen a few things up. And I think uh, I don't think they don't think I was averse to that at all. Um, I just again want to see us keep the same pressure going and the same rhythm, trying to make things work. Yes, we're missing Julian. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Lascelles staying instead of Sharp because Lascelles did no wrong against Man City for me. And, and, and so, for me, do you drop him based on and that you feel Shaw's a better player or Shaw plays better than Botman? Don't know. Um, I, I, I do think we're going to see a few changes, and I think genuinely, Wolves are there for the taking. They're not playing well this season. They're really not playing well this season. And they seem like they have a, a, a lack of cohesiveness that could be exploited. Um, and, and so whoever takes the pitch, we've just got to keep the tempo up, we've got to keep the pressing game up and believe in what we're doing. Um, I think we've lost a little bit of belief in myself. Um, and that'll come the minute we start putting balls in the back of the net again. Um, so, so for me, I don't, I, I don't want to see changes for changes' sake, but I think this is an opportunity to make changes. Why not? Let's try something different. Let's see something different in the mix. 
Um, and as for the score, one has the dice. Get in. Ooh. Two nil. Which I would take quite take a that, Take that all, dear. Absolutely. Okay, Steve. Really interesting, isn't it? Really, really interesting. We need to get back on the front foot. We need to. We need a, a result. We need a win. That's what we need. And I think once we get our first win, I think there's nothing to stop us going on another run. Um, I think the. I think there's a. I think we're just that one percent away. And we saw it last week. And when a manager like Guardiola comes out and says or implies at the end of the game that 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 was what he considered his most difficult game of the season in terms of the way that, that the opposition set up, the way that we played, the way that we pressed them, he, he felt as though it was it was a very, very difficult game for, for Man City to, to do, um, to perform in simply because of the opposition. And I think that, that, was, that was a tribute to the work ethic that the players put in. And on another day, we those those efforts that we're talking about, the, the efforts from from Joe Linton and and um and Wilson, uh that would have that would have given us the points. That would have certainly kept us in the game. It would have given Man City something to really think about. I suppose what you could say with Man City is because we saw it at St. James's earlier season, there's there's they have that extra edge that allows them to step back up again. We we've got to get back into that winning winning streak. Um I hear what Mitch is saying about about the cells, and I agree. Uh, the cells did nothing wrong, and 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 probably on, on any other day would deserve to to remain in the team. And if a manager's true to his word, then that tends to be what happens. You play well. Um, it's up to the it's up to whoever comes whoever's lost out to to then start to perform in training and 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 take their opportunity or they've, they've missed their opportunity. Um, <laughs> Is it too early after only two or three weeks for to bring target back in? What does that do for, for Burn? Would would does Burn deserve to be dropped? Or as as Keith happily said, go to a back three and, and play with wing backs. These are all conundrums, aren't they? And I, I, I suspect he'll go with a flat back four. I suspect that he'll go for a uh, a, uh, a Bruno Longstaff and Willock midfield. I suspect he'll go for Trippier and Byrne, and I suspect he'll go for Botman and Shaw with Pope and Goal, which leaves the front three. Wilson needs support. He needs somebody pushing that little bit closer to him. And what, what we've had with, with, with ESM in the past, we didn't last season. Last season, ESM was always playing quite close to him. ESM's style of play has changed an awful lot. He's not running with the ball as much. He's not coming inside. He's not looking for, for those little layoffs. Um, with Miggy, he's going down. When he pulls it back, it's that split second. Whether, whether Wilson's just not there to receive the ball or he's gone ahead and he gets caught. Um, these are things that they've had to have worked on in training. And whether it's, as I say, whether it's ESM, whether it's Miggy um, supporting Wilson, because I do think that 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 it'll be Wilson that uh, that starts in the lineup. It then leaves the question: Do you play both of them, or is there really an injury hanging over Gordon? Um, Gordon's the one who I think could unpick that pocket. I think he could play in front of the back, in front of that central midfield three, and he could play in that in the tip of that diamond, and he could be the one who can thread that through ball. It all depends on how mobile Longstaff is. 
it all depends on how mobile, if he plays, Willock is, because that's another little area with Newcastle United that I think um, has been lacking. Willock, when he's earlier in the season, when he was getting the ball and he was running, he was beating players for fun and he was pulling the ball across and we were getting midfielders running in like like Bruno, like Longstaff, um, or he was threading nice passes through for Wilson. We've got to get back to that that sort of dynamic play. Um a couple of weeks ago, I would. I'm waiting for the day when we play Wilson and Isak as a front two because I think they could be dynamic. Um, but if there is a doubt over over Isak um, in terms of lasting the full game, um, do you start him and take him off? Do you bring him on with the last 20, 25, or has happened in the past uh, a full half uh, to go? I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I think he'll go for Wilson. I think he'll go for for ESM and Almiron. And I suspect that Gordon will be the one that misses out if there's any any doubt about his fitness. Um, and I'm I love that popping up on the dice, Mitch. Two nil. I'll, I'll I'll happily go for two nil as well. Okay, I'm going for one one. Uh, I'm not as confident as you guys. Like, I don't think it's an easy game. I think uh, in our current form, I, I, I just think we're, you know, I think we'll score and I think we'll stop the rot. But I'm not as confident as you guys. Like, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, let us wait and see what happens on Sunday. Now we did get a couple of questions in, and obviously I've um, I've I've kept them to last uh, because of the, the the two comments that you know the, the two stories that were started with. Uh, hi Steve, question for the three amigos tonight from Stephen Chow. Um, he said it's not Newcastle related. I was just wondering if the lads think the Qataris will end up buying Manchester United. He says personally, I don't think they will. It seems too much noise coming from them. I'm going to pinch. A phrase that George used on Wednesday's show, empty vessels make the most noise. So what's your thoughts on this one, lads? Uh, quick, Quickly, really, we don't need to dwell too much on it. But Keith, do you think the Qataris will, will get Manchester United? No, I think um, Man United will be, probably be removed from sale. Um, and there'll be some spurious deal probably done with the American hedge fund. Um, and I think that they're only put in there to get the bid up. Um, to a legitimate figure. I think in the Middle East, there's there's a lot of talk over there where the bid isn't as genuine as they'd like to make it. But what pleases me greatly is that we were slaughtered for wanting oil money and their fans are begging for it now. So I just, I'm pleased the Qataris did a bid in any case. But I, no, I don't think they'll buy it. All right, George, yes or no, do you no. think they'll buy it? No chance. I don't think there ever was. I think it was... Uh... As I said on, on Wednesdays, he said it, uh, hollow vessels make the most no- sound. And uh, I think that's the case here. It's, uh, it was uh, a bit of uh, politicking on both sides, I think, Man- on Manchester United side, trying to push a bid from somewhere else. And from the Qatari side, just wanting to get their name in, in the frame for having done something or threatening to do something, but not actually going to do something. And, and, and so, no, it's never going to happen. Mitch? Yeah, you look up me and my, my feelings on this very clear. Now. There's, there's not a big push in the region that it's going to happen at all. Um, I think it's a stalking horse bid. I think it was driven by Rain to try and push Radcliffe to put his bid up to an agreeable, uh, agreeable amount to the, to the Glaziers. Um, I think from the Qatari point of view, it was a useful exercise to see 
how far they could get through the process before they started getting asked difficult questions for future bids potentially for other clubs. And I think they've done that little bit of uh, scouting and due diligence about where it can come from. There's absolutely no way the, the, the individual in question has enough money to buy it as an individual. There had to be state-backed funding involved in that somewhere. Um, and I think it, it helped Rain, it helped the Glazers, it helped uh, the Premier League, because I think the Premier League's preferred bidder was, was Radcliffe all along. And, and so there was lots of reasons why I think it happened. But I don't think any of it was terribly serious when it comes to actually owning Manchester United. Okay, Steve? The book price of Man United, based on its share price, is probably, as we've seen from Kieran Maguire, uh, it's probably sitting around 1.9 billion. Yep. The Glazers are looking for something like six. Um, yep. Lads are right, stalking horses, uh, crazy bids. I don't think if any bid did come in from Qatar or from Jim Ratcliffe, because let's face it, he's not stupid, uh, would be anywhere no. near the, the type of figure. And I don't think you'd pay a premium of £4 million. And, uh, £4 million. I think what will happen is the American uh, hedge fund will come along and go, you know what, we'll help the finance. Uh, the, only, the only interest confirmed to beat around two, by the way, so far. Yeah. Exactly. And I think what will happen is that hedge fund will turn around and say, we'll help finance and it'll be things like a new Old Trafford, an extended Old Trafford, doing things like that. But in return, it'll be to take part in, in some spurious new company yeah. um, that will probably own um, the rights to merchandising and all of that type of thing. And that'll be another way that they'll have seen to be able to get money out. While the Glazers yeah. will carry on owning, I think they'll probably go down that line. Um, I'd be very surprised if 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 it goes any other way, um, other than perhaps even the Glazers pulling the whole thing and and just remaining and then doing something independently in the summer, um, yeah. with 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 money and funds from American hedge funds. The only reason they come in is to make money themselves. They don't come in to spend money like that, you know. Um, it, it's 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 I feel, well, I don't actually. I was going to, I nearly said a stupid thing there. I nearly said I feel for Man United fans, and I thought, no, I didn't. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you definitely no, don't. You know what, I, know what I'd say? If you've got any money spare, put it in Norwich scarves. Exactly. Dylan uh, Lynch yeah. Parsons asked as well. Uh, he, well, he just said it's, it's a possible topic, but he just said, when I went to Newcastle for the final, um, I did the stadium tour the following day. He says, I was interested to hear a statement from the tour guide made saying that they haven't been given confirmation yet that the club have taken over Strawberry Place. He says, I found that kind of strange. Um, I, I mean, I don't think there's been any official announcement, lads, has there? No. No. So to be honest, the guy's not speaking out of turn. I just think yep. generally you just need to wait and see. There will be an announcement he, at some point. He's in a position where he didn't see something terribly positive that hasn't been rubber stamped, signed, and the ink dried. Mm -hmm. he'd, be, he'd, he'd make himself look foolish yeah. to do so and probably lose his job in the process. Exactly. Okay, uh, I have got a quite, I've still got quite a bit to get through here. I want to plug this, first of all, Peter yeah. Beardsley Soccer School. Uh, don't forget that this takes place in April 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th and 11th. PeterBeardsleySoccerSchool.com is where to go to, uh, ages 6 to 16 years. 
Uh, it's filling up very quickly, John says, so uh, he wasn't too upset that I hadn't given it a mention. Uh, but there you go. Uh, John from QTech has uh, put that together and it is flying as usual. Um, Alan Shearer popped to mind yesterday at the same some balls and uh, Alan Shearer's 260 ball is up for grabs again. 150 a ticket. Uh, we've done 60 tickets today. Um, it's limited to 99. I know there was, uh, uh, so there's 30 odd left. Um, we're going to make a donation to the food bank from each ball that we sell on the show now. So um, this is a great way to raise some money for the food bank. Uh, enter at nufcmatters.com. It is on the front page. Uh, as soon as we've got that one done, uh, we can do it. I've, I've been waiting for Alan to come and sign these balls. Unfortunately, it's the first time he's had a chance to come and uh, get them sorted. Big thank you to everybody. Um, you will have seen this on social media. Uh, last month, uh, February, 305 new subscribers, 288,000 views on the channel, 4 million minutes watched. Amazing. We never take yeah, it for granted. Uh, thank you so much thank for that. You, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Of course, in the month that we had fifty thousand as well, which which is uh, which is remarkable, it really is. Brilliant. I will put this shirt on uh, Twitter tonight. I did forget last week. It is signed by Nobby Solano in the middle. Uh, Newcastle United uh, fans food bank shirt. Uh, NUFC matters a football top signed by Nobby Solano. I'll stick that up for the food bank on my Twitter at Steve Ray. So keep an eye out for that this week and make sure you bid for it. Um, and we're going to finish up with a couple of things. I'm reading a horror story in Braille. Something bad is about to happen. I can feel it, says Elliot. Oh, 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 oh dear me. <laughs> Excellent Just, stuff. Yeah, and... Put your finger on that joke, can't you? Hey! hey. <laughs> um, and... Mr. Meg forgetting to tell us that she died. <laughs> Aye, yeah. And I knew some newspaper would go out and see us. She didn't see that coming. I knew it's typical. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised Elliot didn't. <laughs> Rock your ears if you don't like this music. Rachel, one of our mods, meeting Steve how she went. It has to be done for the day I met. Cheers. Rachel, thank you for that. The day you met Newcastle United. Fabulous. And legend. Well done. Uh, well Steve Howie, so thank you for sending that. And when you keep Rachel happy, you've got to keep Julie happy. I'm not called Richard, Kyle. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay, two lads, a uh, bit of politics, bit of football. That's what Friday nights are all about. Uh, been an absolute pleasure, as always, to spend it with Keith, with George, with Steve Hasty, uh, with Rama Tut, the Moon Knight, with Andre, and with uh, our good pal from Borough, uh, Toon Tipster. Enjoy your weekend. Let's hope the football yep. doesn't spoil it. Take good care. Good night, lads. See you, lads. Night, everyone. Blow it a bit. Take care. See ya. A big thanks to all our sponsors, Skips and Bins. You can find them at skipsandbins.com, telephone 0800 2545 253, email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, easy contract, free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources, which are handmade in Cumbria. You can order them from mrvickies.co.uk or by calling 01768 210102. Welcome aboard to Fruity Vita Getaways. You can email them at fruityvitagetaways at gmail.com. Call or text them 0792-842-7895. Please join and share the Facebook group as well at Fruity Vita Getaways. Book your holidays or short breaks in the UK or around the world with them. Let them find your happy place. ABTA and ATOL registered. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Wallsend, Newcastle. And the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com, where you can buy lots of t-shirts and merchandise. If you want to subscribe to the show, hit the subscribe button underneath this video today. It is free to do so. Hit the thumb up to like the video. It's good for the algorithm. And click share to share to your other social media. If you do subscribe, we do send you a free car sticker. To get that, email john at nufcmatters.com and he'll post you one out. If you want to join the NUFC Matters cult, then put your smartphone over this QR code now and it will take you straight there. Alternatively, go to the website, nufcmatters.com, and you can join for a one-off payment of £25. You'll receive a cup, a pen, a membership card, and a scarf, and entry into the monthly draw. You can also join via YouTube, and if you click join beneath the video, you will see a variety of prices and how you can support the channel. You can alternatively make a donation with a super chat in the chat tonight. Just click the dollar sign. We're also available on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast providers. We also help the food bank on this show. NUFCfansfoodbank.co.uk is where you'll find the match day bucket. And you can make a virtual donation 365 days of the year. As always, we've got a whole host of events coming up throughout the year. And even when Obi Solano takes place on Saturday, the 25th of March at the Townside Irish Centre, tickets £15. Book now at nufcmatters.com. And even with Peter Beardsley at Leamington Labour Club, tickets are £20, 31st of March. And uh, you can get them direct from the venue. And even in Monobi Solano, Good Friday, the 7th of April at 4pm. Tickets are a tenner and available behind the bar at Felling Cricket Club in Gateshead. An evening with Supermac, hosted by Gibble at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe, Tuesday the 11th of April. And tickets direct from the venue. This is a limited ticket event, only 35 tickets available, so book soon. And an evening with Frank Clark and John Gibson, Thursday the 20th of April. Tickets are £15. Book now at nufcmatters.com. In June, Rob Lee will be at Louis Liquor Store in Newcastle. 
and you can get tickets direct from the venue. And an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark, John Beresford takes place the following evening, Friday the 2nd of June at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. This is in aid of the Healing Tour charity and tickets are available from their website www.healandtour.org.uk forward slash events. And if you're a boxing fan, the Night of Champions comes to Gateshead at the Fed. Frank Bruno, Ricky Hatton, Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghi are part of the UK tour and you can get your tickets from www.goldstarpromotions.co.uk. Thank you.